Hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the role-playing interview room. This is a special, kind of different, lively episode for me. I am Paco Garcia, your host, and today I'm in my office. Yes, I, I am in my office because I haven't had the chance to get home, and it's it's uh, I've missed the times, and I really did not want to miss this interview for the world um, because... I am today with Daniel Marshall and BJ Hensley, who are working on Realms of Twilight. This is a project for Pathfinder that came out onto Kickstarter a while ago, and it didn't fund, unfortunately. And now it's coming back again. Guys, welcome to the show. How are you? Great. How are you? I am very well. I'm very glad to have you here. Well, we're glad to be here. Right. Tell me. Tell me about Realms of Twilight. Well, as, as you said, it's a, a world for the Pathfinder role-playing game. Uh, the term we've coined for it is a post-apocalyptic fantasy. Um, it's an entire world covering five continents and you know, all sorts of terrains, all sorts of cultures. Uh, the biggest things are it doesn't have a sun, or rather, the sun is permanently eclipsed. And there's a whole legend and story about that that's in the book. Um, the There are lots of different cultures, as I said. Each continent has major you know, important things about it to lead into lots of adventure possibilities. Um, but more than that, the story of the world is one of the big focuses. Uh, and I'm trying not to give too much away, but uh, for instance, the eclipse is caused thousands of years ago by a race that's attempting to cleanse the world of the vermin, as they see it, that infested it, meaning humans, dwarves, everybody else. And the whole legend of how that happened is a long, big story. But to this day, there's people fighting to bring the sun back. So It's a bit of an ongoing war. Right. And there's, there's a lot of really in-depth things in the book. They're extremely fun. I know one of my favorite places, and uh, Ed Greenwood picked to write in it as well, is the Twilight Wood. And it's full of fun little gnomes that have been sort of creatively altered due to the surroundings that they live in and the flora and the fauna and the, how they've e adapted for, for moonlight only. And there, there's just a little bit of magic in everything. And, and there's, you know, broken portals to different places. And, and the whole world is kind of in disarray, but sort of holding itself together. It's, it's a lot of chaos and a lot of fun. It, it really sounds, um, how to put this, it, it sounds very tense. It sounds the kind of thing that the world is pretty much on the brink of apocalypse, and the, the, there is there's a, a sense of desperation in trying to get the sun back, or, or we're going to be in serious trouble in here. And it's certainly not an easy task. It sounds no. very atmospheric. Yeah, it, it, it is. It, it is. is. Um, the the atmosphere really depends on where you are in the world, though, because there are huge empires that have learned to exist and even thrive in the sunless environment. And that sense of desperation 
you know, doesn't really exist for them. But at the same time, not far away, there may be a wasteland that people have to fight every day just to survive in. So there's a very wide range of, you know, purpose and, like I said, culture. Well, and I think the fun thing about having a world where, where the sun has been eclipsed is we've definitely made it where they could leave it that way. You could play in that world for an eternity with the sun how it is, and, and there's explanations for, for how the cultures thrive and how the plants and the animals have adjusted and everything else. But at the same time, it's right on the brink of, of fighting to try and bring it back as well. And and the fun thing about that is that you can leave that to the discretion of the people playing with it. If they want to bring the sun back and they want sunshine and and bunnies again, they can do that, or they can kind of leave it in the dark place that it is and, and live with that as well. And and that's kind of, you know, great for them to be able to choose either way. Where did the idea come from? I believe that you two are the, the authors for this. How did you come up with this? Um, well, it started out pretty much as a, a homebrew campaign. Um, one of the civilizations in the in the world is called the Allurian Empire. And some of my characters when I was growing up uh, were planner travelers, and they, they founded this city. Well, the city needed more than to be just a city. I started developing the area around it, and then obviously a city needs people to trade with. So started developing the bordering nations and whatnot, and it just kind of grew from there. So it started with... You know, old characters from, you know, teenage years and before and just slowly built up and grew, you know, inch by inch until it became the epic world that it is. And we're still expanding. It never but, ends. There, there's always more development that to be done. There's more detail here, more another creature that has yet to be discovered somewhere else. There, it's always growing. It it sounds it sounds really exciting. I have to say, um, how big is this? I mean, you you, you do mention an awful lot about the, um, the the scope of the world and uh, the creatures and the story and everything. In in terms of number of words that you have already written for it, how how big a thing are we talking about? Well, I'm not entirely sure about the exact word count, um, but I know for the Kickstarter we're shooting for. Uh, at least 300 pages. Wow. Uh, right now, we have at least probably about 260 written. Though mm -hmm. so there's still a lot of editing that needs to be done. There's there's a lot of fine-tuning that needs to, to be done to a lot of that as well. And fr from the point of view of the two of you writing this, how has the, the creative process been? How have the two of you worked together to make this happen? Um, I think we work together pretty well. Sometimes he comes up with something that's creative, and I come up with a with a correction. And <laughs> by by correction, she says, "No, we're going to do it this way." <laughs> um, but for the most part, we do pretty good. We tend to bounce off each other. So he'll have an idea, or I'll have an idea, and then the other one will expand upon it and sort of take it and run with it from there. We, we put a lot of work into it. There's a lot of hours sitting around discussing how things are going to be fine-tuned. And we want we always try to make sure that there's a reason for something. And, for instance, we don't want magic to be the explanation for everything that happens. Right. Um, we want there to be some kind of 
logic somewhere in there. For instance, there's one of the oceans is called the Shadefire Sea. And we wanted it to be a, you know, shadow black water kind of ocean that looked like there was fire under the surface. So we figured out a scientific way to explain that, that to people not versed in modern science, you'd look below the water and it looked like there were flames below the water. And then every once in a while, fire bursts from the surface of the, of the water and gives you a great atmosphere. But we actually explained it through real means, not necessarily just uh, some wizard did something and it's all magical. <laughs> <laughs> we try really hard to have things like that in in the campaign. Um, we we play test on our children. They're our <laughs> guinea pigs. Um, we have teenagers, so that's fun. And both of us are those type of people that always ask why, so it's easy for us to ask those questions, and I think that helps. Uh, which leads me to my next thing. I mean, uh, Pathfinder is a very uh, as, as a game itself, it's it's very magic orientated. Most of the worlds have been created for Pathfinder, or at least a huge number. Uh, very magic dependent. Have you done anything to add to the rules or change anything to to make the the use of magic more congruent with Realms of Twilight? Well, there's a lot of expansion on it actually. Um, as far as magic itself, we've added uh, a dozen or more spells uh, to expand the repertoire of wizards and sorcerers and clerics. You know both in Arcane and Divine. Um, we're also working on a couple other aspects, like uh, Soul Magic, where uh, a specialized caster can you know, use the, the power of slain enemies to fuel spells and magic feats and stuff like that. Um, one thing we're hoping to expand upon is something called shadow magic, and that's really a fascinating uh, task, I think. But we've added it as a stretch goal because we're already taking on so much at the moment. But that'll be sort of a whole new branch of magic to use in our world as well. Uh, and in terms of the the um, the creatures and all the, um, the the cultures that populate this this world what can people expect to see added to to the pathfinder game or, or are, are you relying on um the the bestiaries or is this going to be completely separate and independent and, and fully grown up the great thing about it is we do both um you can use everything from pathfinder that that is already available and it's very easy to, to use and it's already right there but we also give you new things that you can use too new creations new alterations to already existing uh creatures and classes and whatnot and we have some new creatures to add in that are custom just for our world we have some new uh pc races that we're putting in there and one of the new races that we're going to put in the the book from the Kickstarter is going to be chosen by the people who back the project. So we're going to have a couple different selections, give some details, and it's going to be up to them to decide which one actually makes it into the book. Okay, that sounds that sounds interesting indeed. Now the the question that I I have to ask you because this this looks very much like uh, its its own creature. It very much sounds like um, it could definitely stand on its on its own two feet. Why Pathfinder? Why why didn't you create a new, complete brand spanking new game for it? Well, there's 
a lot of there's a lot of different rule systems and one we're, we're very familiar with pathfinder we both grew up playing dungeons and dragons which has evolved over the years um and then when pathfinder came around it was the next logical step uh but getting all the mechanics like i said before we are very interested in the story and bringing the world to life to do that you need to make sure that you're heavy on the story and we wanted to spend a lot more time focusing on the legends and the world and creating something that characters could live in and players could really enjoy then we wanted to developing a whole new mechanic system to support it so we chose to go ahead and use the pathfinder system based on its popularity and apply the the world that we've created and integrate the two of them for a, a great really great experience for game masters and players alike and we've added a lot of our new thing our own new things like the Combat Alchemist is really cool. Um, I'm sure he can tell you a little bit more about that because that's his creation. The, the Combat Alchemist is a, a new base class. Um, you know, Paizo came out with the Alchemist, which is kind of a quasi-magical class. It still uses spells out of the spell list. The Combat Alchemist is designed to be a non-magic alternative. Um, it's Instead of spells, it has mixtures. Right. And the idea is that you, you know, mix, you grind all the materials, you get them all prepped in during the rest period. At the same time, a wizard would be memorizing spells or a cleric would be praying for spells. And then mid combat, you'd make the final combination of the materials for some effect. They can do things like fire bombs that are weaker than a wizard's fireball, but still have a similar effect they can do healing salves which again are weaker than a cleric's cure light wounds but still healing um vapors uh powders anything anything from the alchemy section of items they have some variation of at least the majority of them um and it's all non-magical hmm. and one of the things we want to add with the 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 Kickstarter is the idea that you can take normal things from the world and amplify those abilities. For instance, if, if you wanted to take uh, sulfur and you had so much ground sulfur, you could actually use that to amplify a firebomb or something like that um, to, uh, to allow players of that class to be even more creative with the way they solve problems and the way they fight. Are, are you guys providing the system to be able to enable the, the, the user to do that, the players to do that, though? Um, or are you just leaving it to the players to imagine how they could be using chemical ingredients or alchemical ingredients to do their own thing? Well, we the, the Combat Alchemist is based on a point system very similar to uh, psionics in 3.5 right um, where it's dependent on their level and their intelligence on how many points they have which represents 
the efficiency they use the ingredients and how many ingredients they prepare and all that. They'll have everything they need in the book to play the character. Right. And with the the expansion of that idea, we're not going to make a all-inclusive list because there's just too many things. But what we are going to do is provide examples, um, like the sulfur example. Uh, try to have five or ten things that will say, this is how the, how the mechanic would work. Here's some examples of what they would use and what kind of things it would affect. And then allow the game masters to make the final call as to whether they allow that or whether if a player comes up with something, if that fits into the mechanic or, or not. So we, we leave that to them. And then also there's a list of mixtures in the book that, you know, but kind of like a spell list, there's a list of mixtures that they can choose that have already been put together and, and have on their character as well. Right. So they have those those mixtures. The base mixtures are there as well as the ability to create your own, create your own should you want to. Right. That sounds really cool. Now, um, of course, having so many cultures and so many um, species and, and races in, in the book, how are you guys tackling uh, the political and uh, more diplomatic interchange between cultures in the game? Are you uh, providing with any kind of uh, background as to what culture gets along with this one? How would negotiations work how would things pan out if these two got to sit down at the same table absolutely one of the fascinating things about this book is everything has a connection and we're providing stat blocks for cities and how they interact with other cities most of them have descriptions and how they get along with their neighbors and who their political leaders are and you know how they take care of their cities what the feel of a city is all of that is is in the book so you can know that you know one town doesn't get along with another town or certain people are at war or other people have trade agreements and that's all already in there for you um, are you also providing um, kind of uh, tools as in generators for people to be able to create their own cities and uh, their own maps and their own professions within within this book? We we haven't yet, but we can consider it for a stretch goal. We just haven't. We've got so much already. Okay. And I mean, a lot a lot of what Paezo has done. I mean, the, there's a number of their the whole Kingmaker adventure path is focused on that kind of thing. So we don't want to we don't want to redo stuff that's already been done and working. One really cool thing that we do have available, though, is as part of our Kickstarter, certain backer levels have the ability to create things for our book, whether it's an alchemical mixture for the alchemist or um, spells that are, are new to our book. Um, there's some alternate abilities and feats, and you even have the ability to create a notable PC to go, or uh, NPC to go into the book as well. Mm. So we, we try to let our uh, the people buying the book sort of interact and put their own... Um, ideas into it as well. That sounds cool. Um, also, in terms of the societies that you've created, how have you tackled the issue of diversity uh, within those cultures? Are, is there anything that really stands out um, compared to, to other games or even within this, within uh, realms of Twilight? Is there something in, in, the, in the lines of diversity that you thought, yeah, we really need to go for this? Well, the one of the things we focused on is actually developing the cultures and in various cities and nations like there there's an elven nation that is for lack of a better word they're pretty much racist okay. against non-elves <laughs> um 
and it talks about some of the the repercussions of that where you know if an elf commits a crime they may get away with it where if a non-elf commits the exact same thing they're gonna be punished no questions asked we try to be realistic with our culture it's not all rainbows and kittens that's good i like the sound of that quite a lot um because i'm tired of who else kind of thing so excellent. <laughs> Now, the other thing that I have to say, um, by looking at, at what you have already done, uh, Realms of Twilight is looking absolutely gorgeous. The illustrations that are already available out there, um, you, you guys have really gone the extra mile to get beautiful layout, lovely, very, very atmospheric illustrations. Um, how was the process to decide on the artistic view of, of, of Realms of Twilight? Well, as far as the artists go, we, we like to give our artists a a lot of creative license. Um, we'll give them a written description of what we're looking for and then you know, a certain style that we're looking for, which obviously the, the higher the quality, the better. Mm -hmm. We want to make sure that when we get graphics and we look at them and we contemplate putting them in the book, that it makes us go, wow, that is really beautiful. Because we're pretty picky when it comes to our art, and we want to make sure that when people see this book and they see the art, they see our imagination come to life. And, and I think we've managed to mostly accomplish that. I, I would agree. I mean, every single illustration I've seen so far is absolutely stunning, really, really stunning. Um, the logo is gorgeous truly truly gorgeous so it, it it looks like an absolute masterpiece to me it's, it's great um let's talk a little bit about the um the uh, the, the kickstarter because the first one unfortunately didn't manage to raise as much as much money as, as you needed uh, what are you going to do differently this time well i think the first thing that we're going to do differently is we're going to have it ready by launch we were so rushed last time that a lot of the initial views of it, we hadn't gotten everything quite up. It, we had set it for a launch date and it launched before um, before it was just really ready to be done. And we, we've done some updating, we've added a few things, we've uh, definitely created a few more partnerships so that there will be some more freebies along the way. And we just have a little bit more to offer than we did before. Obviously we kept working despite that uh, it didn't get funded. And so we're farther along in our um, revamp of the book and we have more content and it's a little bit more polished. Um, we've redone our sample again since then. So it's a little bit more like what it's going to look like in the book. And I think that helps. So we've just, we've made it a little farther down the path. We're a little bit closer to being able to, to produce it we've we've managed to ask for a little bit less money so hopefully that will uh, help it get on its way this time uh, are you still going to have a uh, gem page and ed greenwood involved because that would absolutely be absolutely that's amazing what are they going to be doing <laughs> tell me something <laughs> this is exciting <laughs> Jen is almost finished with our map she has been a joy to work with she always is um she has, we've gone back and forth a lot and she's had to do a lot of revisions and I have great sympathy for her because we are such picky people, but she has done, she's really doing beautiful. Um, we will be updating the graphic actually that is in our original one in the new one and you'll be able to see more of the world and several more continents because uh, she's about got it finished on that. And um, she's also working on individual maps for the headings of each chapter because we go Every continent has its own chapter to describe, you know, 
the cities in it and the lay of the land and, and the various legends and so forth and so on. And we, we've also tossed around having her do some of the art as well. Um, she's almost finished with the maps, so we think we can probably get her to spare some time to do a couple pieces of artwork, too. Um, so that's in the works for her. And then Ed has done a legend for us uh, based in the Twilight Wood. And actually, we just got done adding a new town to the map because when we gave him creative license to do a legend, he created his own little village, which we thought was great. Um, we had to ask him some questions about it and, and ask him what certain words were because uh, he, he came up with his own. Um, <laughs> he's so much fun. I love just listening to him talk. But, um, yeah, so we, we actually have the legend. It is already done, and the town has been added to the map. Uh, so we've got that already. And I think it'll be fun for the for the readers to, to read the little extra bit that he's thrown in there. That sounds brilliant. Do you have any more people in the pipeline just in case, or not just in case, when you hit some stretch goals? I do. We, we, I, we've talked to a few people, but we're going to keep that a surprise for now. <laughs> surprises. We like surprises. That's good. We like surprises <laughs> a lot. Uh, so tell me a little bit about the pledges. What, what are you planning? Because uh, as of today, and with listeners today, meaning the 28th of October, is the, is the Kickstarter already out? No, it's uh, due to launch on Halloween. Okay, so we still a few days to go, so I have no idea uh, what kind of pledges you're going to have. What can people expect? Because I'm hoping to have this published, if not on the day, one day before the Kickstarter starts. Uh, we've kind of we've rearranged a little bit from last time. Everything we offered last time is still there. So for all of you that were hoping to get Jen Page to sign a map for you, you can still do that. Um, but we've also added some extras. We have... Uh, TPK Games uh, is oh, going. Right. We, they're going to be giving a PDF to uh, add to our, you know, list of things that we're doing. So in several of the reward levels, you'll be able to get a PDF from them. The Four Horsemen are putting something together, and it's kind of a surprise at the moment, even for us, because we're not entirely sure what it's going to be yet. <laughs> but uh, they're also doing a PDF. We've we've uh, named our prequel, which uh, um, the the one. Big thing that we're really excited about as far as the rewards this, yeah. is uh, a prequel adventure to an adventure path we're planning on coming out with next year. Uh, the adventure path is set on the frozen continent of Ezalith. It's an Arctic, uh, Arctic setting. And what we're doing with the prequel, which is called Winter's Queen, uh, is we're setting it a thousand years before the events of that adventure path. And people of certain backer levels will get access to this adventure. And the whole idea is that they'll play through it with their groups at home. And then they'll come on to our forums on our website and talk about it. And we'll take all the information they give us, you know, what their, their players did, what major characters survived, what, who died, all of that. We'll, take it all together and we'll use it to create the history that the whole adventure path is based on. It's really fascinating how this works. And this is probably one of my favorite things about the Kickstarter. And I, I really hope it goes well just because I want to work on this project, I think. Um, but we've, we've created forums and we have our prequel and the prequel adventure is the history of a specific area. 
and how our, you know, customers or whatever play through this and how it ends for them is going to set how the future adventure path goes. So they'll be able to, to talk about it and, and give us their choices and basically help create an entire adventure path based on how the history has gone. And I think that's going to be really exciting to see. And the, the adventure itself will, will be just as entertaining because it sets the group right smack in the middle of a siege. So that's something that a lot of the pre-written adventures just don't have. It's usually, you know, go investigate this ruin, get this for me or whatever, where this is, they are in the middle of a ongoing battle. Well, and it's definitely got its, its twists and turns and, and we can't really say anything because there's so many of them, but it will definitely be an intricate adventure. It's not your standard point A to point B. There's a lot of uh, places in between. That sounds pretty good. I really like the, the notion that the, the people who back the Kickstarter are going to be able to help shape how the world is going to start and how it's going to continue. I, I think that is that is really excellent. Um, when when are you thinking, once the whole thing funds and, and it's over, uh, how long until people can have either their PDFs or their physical copies? Um, June or July of next year for everything to be out. There are several PDFs, however, and um, <clears throat> of adventures and whatnot that they'll be able to get well before that, pretty much once the Kickstarter ends. But the actual book itself, the PDF that goes with it, will probably be June or July of next year. And obviously, if we finish it before then, we wanted to make sure that we gave plenty of time to, to finish the book at the level of quality that we want and that we think backers deserve so if, if we finish it before then obviously we'll get the rewards to them before then yeah we're genuinely hoping to get it done well before that but we don't want anybody to be disappointed so that's that's the the time frame that we're giving that makes perfect sense to me um guys thank you so much uh for being with me today um I, I really like the project when it came out. Uh, I really like the project now even more because obviously you've done a lot more work and it's still looking absolutely beautiful. Uh, and listeners, I genuinely encourage you to take a look at this because it's um, it, it's, it's a joy to behold uh, in, in terms of the visuals alone are just worth it. So I am so hopeful that it will fund. Um, but before we go, let, let's assume... For one second, uh, and this is not going to happen, but let's assume for a second that this doesn't fund, what then? Well, we're pretty stubborn people. Uh, it'll definitely <laughs> slow us down and it probably won't uh, probably won't get a lot of the extras we'd like to have, but we'll continue working on it. We certainly have no plans on just dropping it or, or letting one disappointment or two even um, get in our way. It'll just take quite a, quite a bit longer, I think, to get it done and and definitely won't be as available to everybody, but um, we, we don't intend to stop working on it. And let's assume that, you know, this, this is going to succeed and it's going to be published. What next? Um, we actually have several things in the works. So we've talked about this a little bit before in our interview with the established facts. Um, obviously, we will continue to support Realms. We have so many adventures that we have in the in the background. We have so many plans for supplements and expansions and we've even talked about doing uh books that are based on each continent and doing more in-depth on each of those but another place that we're going to go is we're getting ready to launch playground adventures which is a series based on the younger generation and one thing we've discovered as parents is that as our children get older 
they want to DM too. Um, they want to play too. And there are not really any children appropriate pre-made adventures. So we're working on creating sort of our own system that works better for younger kids and adventures that are more kid-centric, kid-appropriate, so that we can bring the excitement that we experience all the time to the younger generation as well, and so we can keep this going generations from now. That sounds brilliant. That sounds really seriously brilliant. That, that's a project that will be very, very interested in. <laughs> right, thank you once again. Uh, best of luck. And Thanks. I, I look forward to seeing you on the other side of a very, very successful Kickstarter. We do too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. Hosting and production for this podcast have been by Paco Garcia and the music's been composed by Kev Atzet. We would love to hear from you. Feedback and your questions are always welcome and you can email us at podcast.gmsmagazine.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at gmsmagazine. And we are also on Facebook and Google+. I'm very, very happy to talk to you. Remember to subscribe to the GMS Magazine podcast channels in iTunes and give us a review or two and a rating, please. And it's truly appreciated if you do. For more quality shows, remember to listen to other rooms like the RPG Room, the Interview Room and the Board Game Room and more rooms that might be coming very soon indeed. But, friends, until the next time, Let the games continue.